Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it! Sounds like somebody's got a case of the Mondays. Happy Monday. Let's make this Monday an awesome afternoon. How about that? It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. This may shock all of you, and I want to make sure everybody's sitting down. I'm sitting. Nigel's not here today. No. I know. I know. No. The working machine that is Big Nige is not here, but... Tony Kennett of the Daily Signal is filling in, and pretty soon we can also say nighttime host here at 93 WIBC. That's right. I signed the contract this afternoon. You observed. You were the witness, the holy witness of the of the situation. I scribbled my name on the line, and November 6th, ladies and gentlemen, it's coming. So that's the day before the mayor's election here in Indy, right? That's right, and it's also a day before an IU game, and there's a little something special regarding IU coverage with the WIBC. IBC and the Tony Kennett Show. So you want to stick around for that as well. Awesome. Well, congratulations. November 6th. Write it down. Take a picture. Do all the things. All right. So as we turn our attention to the biggest story in the world, Israel at war, I think we're all waiting for this ground attack to take place. Honestly, Tony, I'm surprised we haven't seen more action because ever since Thursday afternoon, we kept hearing it's imminent. Imminent was the key word. And here we are, Monday afternoon, and it's still imminent. There's a very specific reason for this, and it's very obvious for everyone if you take a listen. Uh, I don't know if you know this, but I really like shortwave radio. You can hear a lot of radio broadcasts around the world because of how shortwave radio works. And I tuned in the other night and heard Israeli broadcasts begging anyone and everyone who might know someone in Gaza to move to southern Gaza, move close to the, the Rafa border crossing with Egypt. Israel is giving everyone every chance, if you are a civilian, to get out of the area because they are going to flatten northern Gaza. They're done. They're not being they're not going to let that place use as rocket staging anymore, but they are making sure because you and I both know the UN's going to scream and cry that every citizen has been given ample time to get out of northern Gaza. Well, right now, the latest polling numbers show that anywhere from 71 to 73% of people in this country, Tony, approve of Israel going after the Hamas terrorists and fighting back. 71 to 73% is a big number. So with that being said, why are we, and I put us in that category, the media, focusing so much on these rich, spoiled, entitled, whiny college kids and their protests on their campus where you've got the gays for Palestine protesting, protesting, who wants to tell them? And you've also got major cities, New York, Indianapolis last week, Chicago, the pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas people. If so many people are in favor of what's happening with Israel, why are we so 
fascinated with what's happening on the other side. Two reasons. I'm going to break it down for you like seventh period French. Number one, we focus on these people because after looking at the atrocities that were propagated, not by Israeli state media, not by Americans who are considered pro-Zionism or whatever, but by Hamas themselves on their own social media, taking their victims' phones and broadcasting their executions on the victims' Facebook pages on Facebook Live. After all of that, it is very difficult for the person with a soul, for the average Western civilization person that has any kind of a conscience to look at that and go, yeah, that's the same as as just resisting oppression. That's the same as Americans throwing off British tyranny in 1776 because it's not. It's incredibly horrific. So you got to focus on it. You have to. I mean, you cannot not focus on people who are that stupid, that disconnected from reality. I want to take you to an event that took place in San Diego over the weekend. And a local TV reporter in San Diego tried to cover this, quote, peaceful protest mm. and witnesses the pro-Palestinian crowd attacking a woman with an Israeli flag and then going over to the TV reporter, hassling him and trying to make it so the TV cameras don't show the Israeli woman being attacked. Now, you out there may be wondering after hearing this cacophony of noise, what were the pro-Palestinian protesters screaming, cover the camera for? Well, I'll tell you because you can find the video everywhere and you should watch it. A group of pro-Palestinian protesters were beating the living crap out of a Jewish woman, ripping the Israel flag out of her hands and stomping it into the dust. Oh, but but Hammer, it's just a it's just an expression of freedom. It's just supporting people throwing off the tyrannies and the white supremacy hammer. It's all it is. BLM supporting it, so it couldn't be that bad, right? Supporting it, openly endorsing it. BLM Chicago, LA, the National Grassroots Movement, BLM Indy, are not just saying we stand with Palestine. They're not just saying we condemn both sides, which is also kind of atrocious. But they're saying they openly endorse the violence, even posting pictures of the paratroopers who massacred a dance festival in Israel. So while that is happening in Israel and pockets of cities around the United States, let's talk big picture of what's happening here in America. All right. So the GOP, the grand old party, Republicans, they're still trying to figure out what's going on with the Speaker of the House thing. We'll talk about that coming up a little bit later on. Oh, yeah. But they've got other issues, too. There's a report that came out today, Tony, that... In the third quarter of this year, okay. which is July through September, Joe Biden's reelection team out fundraised Donald Trump, DeSantis, Haley, name your favorite GOP pal, and Joe Biden, the man whose approval ratings are lower than new Coke. Joe Biden 
out-fundraised all of your favorite Republican pals. What do we make with this? Well, we make the exact thing that you make when someone gives you mud and water. You make a mud pie, and that's exactly what this garbage is. Republicans have no direction right now. They can't focus on President Biden. Trump is not focusing on President Biden. He should be. That's what I saw when he was in Michigan. I saw him talk to the auto workers. It was the best speech he's ever given. He has not done anything like that since. What a shame. DeSantis is doing a really good job, but his campaign has been a disaster since the start. Nikki Haley doesn't know whether she wants to be a conservative or wants to be a cardboard cutout of Lockheed Martin. And then Mike Pence is shooting everyone in the foot, including himself. So really, I don't know what people are trying to do. Vivek is still a used car salesman. I guess, honestly, Hammer, I don't even know if Republicans want to win in 24. Really, I do not know if they want to win. So Nikki Haley announced that in third quarter fundraising, again, July through September, she brought in 11 million bucks and she has 12 million cash on hand. Ron DeSantis reported $15 million raised, $14 million in his campaign that is coffers. abysmal for a second-place candidate in the, in the GOP field right now. That is abysmal. I like Ron DeSantis, but that number should be double that in a third quarter when we're looking at a primary. Donald Trump announced earlier this month that he brought in $46 million the past three months with $38 million cash on hand. All right? So now the numbers for Joe Biden. Now, again, take this for what it is. This is what's been reported. This is what's on the record. From July through September, $71 million for Hair Sniff McGee. And, and huge amounts of, of these donations are likely coming from teachers unions who donate in Q- quarter three every year. That is when teachers unions make their annual donations. Also, the, the UAW, the auto workers, do, are assuming to have been donating a sizable amount to the Biden administration. Several other trade and labor unions as well. A lot of corporations make their donations in Q3. So this is expected, but still, it is embarrassing for Trump to only get 46 million at a time when he's supposed to be the head of every news story that's awful but is it because there are so many republicans ciphering some donation money away for all intents and purposes and i'm not counting you know rfk jr here biden's running unopposed yeah. it's all joe biden that's where well, it is rfk's running independent now anyway so yeah biden is limping whatever bouncing around on the stage unopposed so if you take the 15 million from DeSantis and the 11 million from Nikki Haley. I don't know if all of that money would go to Donald Trump, but eventually as these candidates start to drop out, I anticipate the fundraising number to go up for Donald Trump, right? I, you would assume it would that would take into effect that people are pulling out money and then think that they would be Donald Trump fans, which unless you're a Vivek individual, I just don't see that as true. I think it'd probably go to DeSantis. It's interesting because if you're not donating or supporting Donald Trump now, what's going to change your mind? That is the biggest obstacle Trump has to climb, no doubt. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. The Hammer and Nigel Show. It is the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Big Nige has a rare day off, and Tony Kennett filling in very admirably for Big Nige. Thank you, Tonus. Anytime. And let's go to the 93 WIBC hotline and bring on Kevin Bowen. He is part of the morning show over at 107.5, the fan, KB and Andy. And KB, I think a lot of people expected a little bit more than whatever the hell that was yesterday in Jacksonville. 
boy, it is the house of horrors, is it not, for this franchise uh, really now for the past decade. Yeah, that was ugly. Um, certainly expected more. I mean, yeah, you're playing a backup quarterback, but, you know, he, he has not looked like that really in his career. And, you know, if anything, I expected the Colts to provide a little bit more early fight. I mean, they were the team that lost the first match between these two teams. They were the team that you know, hasn't won there in nearly a decade. They weren't the team that was playing in London the previous two weeks, but uh, yeah, it looked like Jacksonville was uh, by far the hungrier team. They punched, punched harder, and punched more frequently early on. And again, hey, it just looked like the same old, same old down there in Jacksonville. What had a longer shelf life? The love of new Coke in this country in the 80s or <laughs> Minshew Mania running wild in Indianapolis? What had a longer shelf life, KB? <laughs> I know Minshew uh, Mania was a favorite of my wife. I don't know if she feels that way. Exiting, uh, exiting yesterday. Um, and again, just very uncharacteristic for him. Like he's not been a turnover prone quarterback. You know, usually when you think of backups hammer, you think of them just throwing it to the other team or, you know, giving a lot of turnover type plays to the other team. That's not really been Minshew's MO throughout his career. And yet uh, that was exactly it yesterday. Uh, to me, honestly, he looked a little overwhelmed by the moment. And, and I bring that up to say, I mean, he was a Jacksonville draft pick. He was traded by the Jags, you know, back in 2020. So, I don't know, maybe I'm grasping the straws here, but I'm just trying to make sense of uh, really what looked like a very, I mean, it was a very, very poor day for him. And, again, kind of an uncharacteristic day from him. And, you know, the first two interceptions especially, those are two score games at that point. Um, you were in field goal range on the first one. They came on a, a second down and a first down. It's not like you were in some panic third and 20 and he's under siege and it's right. a three-score game. So I think that probably adds to the frustration. So speaking of frustration and grasping at straws, I saw a little bit of defense on on the wonderful Paramount social media website Twitter yesterday saying that, well, you know, when it comes to the Jags, they have a very coy, a very sneaky offensive strategy, which is, I think, the first time that's ever been said about Jacksonville. And uh, I guess the question that I have to ask is, how on earth is this the ninth straight time that when we've been in Jacksonville we've lost to the Jags again that we didn't do anything after that first three for ages I mean I'm sitting there on Sunday afternoon at Don Rigo's in Greenfield trying to hold down my lunch as I watched us beat senselessly against the Jags how does that happen yeah, it's wild. I mean, it's an astonishing figure. I, I tweeted out the starters from that game the last time the Colts won in Jacksonville. Reggie Wayne started in that game. Reggie Wayne oh. now is a coach for the Colts. <laughs> Reggie Wayne's got gray in his beard. And, again, he was a key cog last time. They won down there. and It's been a variety of quarterbacks, variety of head coaches, et cetera, et cetera. Honestly, there have been some similarities in that. The Colts go down there and just piss down their leg with turnovers. And then they can't win up front. Uh, offensive, no. defensive lines uh, just absolutely get dominated in this matchup. And that was, again, the case I thought yesterday, which was not what I was expecting. I thought you had a chance to win that matchup. So uh, it, it's unbelievable for you know us that has grown. You know, we've grown up in the AFC South. The division was um, created in 2002, and the Colts, you know, had dominated so much of the division for so many years. And now Jacksonville has treated you like little brother in that matchup. And, and again, Sunday was huge, guys. I mean, this was a massive game, two, three, and two teams. Again, you had lost the first matchup. If you win that, you put legitimate pressure on Jacksonville moving forward here. And now um, it, it kind of looks like the, hey, are the Colts you know, more than a feel-good story? Uh, probably not. Well, with you know, with them starting in Indy's territory four times, obviously, again, the, the pissing down the leg with four turnovers, it's just insane to watch our defense give 37 points up. But our offense can't, our offense can't get enough yards to make a difference. It's like the defense is, is fighting a losing battle before the downs even start. It's ridiculous. 
Yeah, and I thought yesterday, again, Minshew was the root of it. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of a focus on Jonathan Taylor and Zach Moss early on at, at halftime. You had triple the amount of pass attempts for Minshew than you did carries for Taylor and Moss, which I would consider one of your strengths of this team. And again, that was before the game got out of hand right. in the second half where, of course, you have to throw. And vice versa. I mean, Jacksonville got into a, um, a great rhythm offensively early on, um, and I didn't think your defense dictated enough. So all three facets. I think the root of it, again, is more offensively the approach from Steichen, and then certainly Minshew turning it over, but uh, so much of it boiled down to that, that, that early sequence of Minshew gets stripped on a sack, uh, Jacksonville scores on the very next play, boom, right there. It was 14 points and I think a 16-second span, and at that point it was, here we go again in Jacksonville. 107.5 The Fans, Kevin Bowen joining us. KB, you bring up the running game, Jonathan Taylor, Zach Moss. What does this look like moving forward? Because Jonathan Taylor got his deal. He's supposed to be the guy. Moss has played really well. Is this going to continue to be a committee type deal, or is Moss being showcased perhaps for something at the trade deadline? Yeah, I mean, that was a big trend yesterday, you know, hammer and, you know, back to a kind of 50-50 split. I mean, it was heavy, like, you know, 80-20, 90-10 percentage-wise. Moss in the first game yesterday was pretty close to 50-50. you got to think it's going to continue to shift in Taylor's direction. I mean, you are paying him $42 million over the next three years. Um, yeah, I don't know about trade deadline. I mean, that's what, you know, two weeks from tomorrow, it's an interesting point. Moss is in a contract year. Um, you know, running backs and what they command from a trade standpoint, that is um, that is interesting to even think about that um you know maybe that is a possibility if the season starts to tailspin a little bit again i tend to think you know with carter Minshew being the quarterback for the foreseeable future that you know it'd be important to rely on these two together i mean there were some moments yesterday i think you know you put them in the backfield together you know let them kind of carry and and do the heavy lifting for this offense right now because i just don't think the passing game's going to have any sort of potency uh, to it at all. Uh, and, and again, I would like to have seen a little bit more run game focus early on. It seemed like you kind of surrendered to Jacksonville saying, yeah, we're probably not going to be able to run it against them. So we're not really going to attempt to run it. Again, I thought Jacksonville coming off the two games in London, you know, could that have been something that you tapped into a little bit more? All right, last thing before we let you go, KB, we've got about 30 seconds left. Have I officially been canceled from coming on to your show? Because I came on on Thursday, and we had a good time, and I feel like I made money for your audience that night <laughs> with my bets and my picks. But I know damn well you guys probably got some hate mail from the anti-WIBC people. So do I get another chance to come on and kick it with you guys this week? Well, I've been thinking about your Notre Dame thoughts for, for Saturday night a little bit more. <laughs> oh. You were outstanding Thursday night football-wise, and we made sure to certainly give you some credit for that so uh i if you will if you will allow yes we can come back you, you can come back in studio with us but again the notre dame uh you know lack of confidence there i was a little bit bummed about granted i didn't see notre dame beating usc 48 20 either full transparency but when you give us the <laughs> some miracles are just a blessing <laughs> yes, exactly. When you give us the Thursday night wins like you did, there's no better way to start a gambling weekend. So I think, uh, yes, we will happily have you back on at uh, 930 coming up on Thursday. See, Tony, KB is like every guy on Twitter right now. I gave him the Tennessee Vols. It wasn't enough. I gave him three winners on Thursday. It wasn't enough. I said, play the over in the Notre Dame game. It wasn't enough. But hot damn, you lose one, and it's all you hear about. <laughs> hey, you know how it is when it comes to fandom life. That, so come on now. <laughs> Where can we get some more information on what's happening with the horseshoe? 
Yeah, 107.5 thefan.com is where you can find the latest. You know, unfortunately, kind of a newsy week, I would think, on the injury front for the Colts. So we'll continue to monitor things there. He is one half of the morning show on 107.5 The Fan, KB and Andy. That is Kevin Bowen. Kevin, you're the best. Thank you. Thanks, guys. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. The only way to bag a classy lady is to give her two tickets to the gun show. It's Monday Gun Day with the gun guy. Just watch out for the guns. They'll get you. Stop calling your arms guns. The Hammer and Nigel Show. We have got a lot to get to with the best 2A attorney in the country, firearms instructor, and the host of the Gun Guy Show here at 93 WIBC, Guy Relford. Guy, how are you? Man, I'm great, and thanks as always to our sponsor for Monday Gun Day. That's Premier Arms in Brownsburg with the largest selection of new, used, and historic firearms in the Midwest and PA Jewelers located right in the store. Check them out at 3754 South Green Street or, P, or, P, or excuse me, PremierArms.com. So if you're wondering, no, wait a minute, guy sounds a little soft-spoken today. Normally, <laughs> he's got the voice of a god yeah, coming yeah, through yeah. your radio speakers. Yeah. You had a little encounter with uh, Mother Nature this weekend. You had a damn nature, you scary moment. You know what? Uh, I hate to admit it, but it got uh, just slightly scary at one point. But uh, yeah, I, uh, I I spent 14 hours smoking a, a, a pork shoulder for pulled pork for the Colts game. Well, the Colts game. Let's not even go there. But, I, <laughs> but back when I was excited about this, Colts game, and I'm on the back deck. I'm finishing up my smoke. Um, I'm actually having a cigar, drinking a beer, and, and the Colts game starts in about 30 minutes, and it's all come together. And I take a big swig of beer, and there's something big and chunky in my beer, and I thought, oh my God, did I drop a cigar ash in there? What is that? And all of a sudden, I realized it was buzzing. Oh. And then I realized uh, I got a, 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 a big uh, jolt in the, right at the, the back of, of the top of my mouth, the beginning of my throat, where the sucker stung me, and it turns out it was actually a hornet. Oh, oh and no. That should have clued you in. That Colts game was not going to go well. You, you know, should have known <laughs> then and there. If, if ever there was a harbinger of things to come, uh, uh, that was it. But yeah, so... and then, So the hornet was in your beer, and you didn't know it, I had no and you idea. just took a big chug. Next thing you know, this rotten SOB is stinging you in your mouth. Yeah, yeah, and, and you know, there's a lot of nerve endings in your mouth. Uh, that, that gets your attention pretty quick. Uh, it's, <laughs> tell me you shot him. Please tell me you went full gun guy, I, spit him out, and I, shot him. I did not. I did uh, eliminate the threat with extreme prejudice, but uh, now, but but yeah, out of respect for my neighbors, there there was no gunpowder projectiles involved. <laughs> um, but then my you know my my lovely wife Julie, uh, we got the the tweezers and the and the flashlight out, and she was able to get the stinger out. Oh, uh-huh. that just sounds awful. Yeah. Now I'm sure the top of your mouth, I'm sure the top of roof of your mouth is like 13 different colors. But I got to ask, what was the color of the hornet? Because as someone who hates hornets and wasps, I'm curious. Was it like yellow and black, like a yellow jacket? It, yeah. In fact, I've had a couple of people describe it as I've talked about it with people on social media. They've said, I don't even know if there is such a thing. They talk about a yellow jacket wasp hornet or some crap like that. And they're like, it's like three different insects. Was it a murder hornet guy? Same colors. But it was black and yellow. Uh uh-uh. uh. No, that, they're out because uh, it's fall. So all of the fruit right now is covered in those nasty yellow jackets because they can't do anything on their own. So they got a <laughs> 
scavenge oh. the fallen apples. So, they smelled the hops in his beer. Was it fruity beer guy? Were no, you enjoying a fruity no, beer? No, it was just a boring uh, milk ultra. That was a desperate. That was a desperate yellow jacket. <laughs> I tell you. Oh, that just sounds awful. So if you're wondering why guys a little soft spoken today, <laughs> sounds like he's on NPR. Damn nature, you scary. Yeah, yeah. But hey, my throat did not swell closed, and uh, I ended up I ended up going to the walk-in place, and and so no, I'm going to be good to go here sooner than later. All right, I'm going to play a piece of audio for you here, guy. This is from a speech that your president Joe Biden did over the weekend, <laughs> riling up the base about gun control. Who in God's name needs a weapon with a hundred rounds in a chamber? <laughs> the weapon's only meant for one thing, to kill people. So there's a lot to dissect in that very small soundbite there. there. Yeah. So 100 rounds in the chamber and the old argument of who needs that much firepower if, you know, that did indeed exist. Yeah, well, I don't know. The answer to his question is, mm, if I'm at a rave in Israel. Right. Uh, that, that's a pretty easy answer. Ask somebody in Israel why they would need enough firepower to, you know, kill multiple people. Well, exactly. And and, and listen, and first of all, he's an idiot on a lot of different reasons. Uh, for a lot of different reasons, but when it comes to us, it, in the chamber, uh, obviously yeah, he misspoke there because you typically get one round in a chamber. It doesn't matter how many rounds you have in the magazine in a gun uh, or whatever the ammunition supply system is. Um, so it's, it, he's just showing his ignorance to say you know more than one round in a chamber. But the other issue is that you know people who who say things like I, I hear this all the time. People say to me on social media, um, you know, if you need more than three or four rounds defend yourself you're just a lousy shot and you shouldn't even own a gun and i always say you know what i got a i got a pretty good example to defeat that argument which is you know my client eli dickon down the greenwood park mall i've had swat team officers say that his marksmanship in that shooting was one of the most phenomenal things under duress under stress that they've ever seen and they, they can't believe that starting from 43 yards uh, he made eight out of ten shots and, and, and his marksmanship was unbelievable. And most cops, you know, most marksmen in this country couldn't have matched that. And that's with one guy. And he still took 10 shots mm. with one guy. So don't tell me that, if, you know, I, I'm a lousy shot because you don't know how many threats. Last time I, 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 I checked, there's a reason they call them home invasions. Right. Because right. one guy doesn't do it. A whole bunch of guys do that. And, 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 and by the way, handguns are notoriously bad fight stoppers. And so you typically have to shoot somebody more than once. Then there's multiple people. You know what? I'm going to have exactly as many rounds in my gun as I feel like I need. And Joe Biden can kiss my ass on that issue. And, and really, to piggyback off of that, I think I'd like to point everyone's attention again to the atrocities that happened in Israel over last week and the paragliders that were jumping in. I posted a, a meme on this. On, on Twitter, why do I need an AR-15? And it was just a picture of a lot of paragliders, you know, coming down on one area. Yeah, right. For the imminent threats that are a threat to me and my family, whether that is foreign or domestic, whether that's criminals or fascist tyranny, that is what the Second Amendment is for. And yeah, how many exactly. of those folks raided that concert? Like, did we ever get a number of how many, you know, uh, pissed off Hamas terrorists were there at the concert that night? Just Dozens the that were within that yes. area. And then... 
in addition, there were also groups that were waiting outside the roads to shoot people that were driving away, escaping from the area. Exactly right, Tony. Just in the pictures and memes we saw, there were dozens. You know, and and, and how soon we forget how how many months ago was it when Russia invented invaded Ukraine, and what did Ukraine do? They started passing out fully automatic AK-47s to the citizenry. Why? Because they're necessary for the security of a free state. That's language right out of the Second Amendment. It's the perfect example of exactly why we need those kinds of firearms. And the fact that, that our, our, our president uh, is so clueless on that issue is certainly not a surprise. We've watched him be clueless on every issue now for over two years. Um, but it's, it's, it's disheartening. It's not being able to read the room right now because Tony and I were talking last week. Like, even like moms demand action haven't been as mouthy and as yeah. over the top as they normally have been because they know right now that message is going to fall on deaf ears. The world just watched babies get de- beheaded, you know, women get raped and dragged through the streets by terrorists going door to door doing home invasions. Yeah, you literally have a mob of Hamas terrorists trying to kick your door in. You're in there with your family. What kind of firearm would you like in that moment? Oh, wait a minute. That's also happening in London where firearms are illegal to own. They're hunting down Jews and beating them senseless in their homes in London. It's happening in France. It's happening. It's beginning to happen in Canada. Of course, a woman was just assaulted by a group in San Diego. I I guess how many punches are you supposed to be willing to take? How many kicks to the face while you're on the ground? How many stabs are you willing to take before you realize that maybe it is individuals owning firearms that's worth the safety of your family? And at the end of that soundbite, you hear Joe Biden go, those weapons are designed for one reason only, to kill people. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's the point. I, I love it. Yeah. They're just for hunting and self-defense. I don't want any muley-mouth Republicans trying to rewrite the Constitution. The Constitution was written for a decentralized militia yes. of responsible individuals who knew it was their job to protect themselves and their community. Exactly period. right. And the Supreme Court ruled exactly as such in 2008 in Heller versus D.C. Guy Relford with us. It's Monday, gun day, November 7th. Why should this date on the calendar matter to those who believe in the Second Amendment? Yeah, this is going to be the oral argument uh, in um, U.S. versus Rahimi, which is a case that's been accepted in the U.S. Supreme Court. And the issue before the court is uh, whether or not the federal statute that says it's illegal for a person under a domestic violence order of protection to possess a firearm, Mm. whether that is constitutional or not. And the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals out of Texas, as it's been doing a while lately, found that law to be unconstitutional under this new test that the Supreme Court announced in the Bruin decision just last year, June of 2022, that says unless a law that implicates a constitutional right under the Second Amendment is supported by a long history and tradition of that regulation uh, of of the same nature of the Second Amendment in this country. And this goes back to the foundation, uh, right? And this goes back to 1791 and the ratification. Um, Unless there's a history and tradition of support for that particular type of restriction on Second Amendment rights, it's unconstitutional. The the reason I'm I'm so focused on this case, guys, is because Rahimi is not a good guy. Right. If you go through the history of this guy, he's had multiple domestic violence order protections entered against him by multiple women. Yes, there are times when he, in, in fact, just documented he's been violent. 
And 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 lawyers for a long time, and I've certainly for a long, long time, have said bad facts make bad law. Right. And right. I'm really worried about the court. And now listen, there's a reason the lady justice is, is blindfolded in all the statutes, sure. right? Is, is courts aren't supposed to be influenced about facts. They're supposed to focus in on the legal issues, especially in a, appellate courts, which are all about the law. They're not about relitigating the facts. And and you know, and that gives you some some reason to be optimistic. Plus, I think this law fails. But I'm not so much worried about Rahimi himself. This guy appears to be a Durbeck. I'm worried about a ruling that peels back to some degree. Or a better right. metaphor would be sees the pendulum swing back a little bit from right. Double the restrictions, okay. quadruple the restrictions. Exactly. Right. Because think about this. You could see a ruling that says, well, um, you know, one one of two ways. A ruling that says, well, when someone's not been convicted of a crime and they haven't even gone through a criminal uh, proceeding where there's a, there's proof uh, beyond a reasonable doubt that's required under due process principles, um, then, then we can, we're not going to take their rights away. If we got that ruling, that would mean red flag laws go away. Interesting. And that's coming up on November 7th. November 7th. So it, it could go a lot of different ways. Where can people reach out to you? Uh, on Twitter, at Guy Relford, man. Give me a follow. Guy, you're the best. Get better soon. Yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. You got the strength of a million damn army men, Guy Relford. <laughs> that's back, right. I'm back in the saddle. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock it is Hammer and Friends here at 93 WIBC. <laughs> My name is Jason Hammer. Big Nige is dead. Tony Kenneth's filling in. <laughs> I mean, let's just kill him off. Like, it's like a TV show, right? On the season finale of Hammer and Nigel. Who shot Nigel? It's like a, a Friends when they push Joey down the elevator and, and whatever, and because he wrote him out of the script. Oh, man. The running joke used to be we would make up all these types of diseases as to why Nigel's out. You know, he's got schizophrenia. He's having an anal bleaching. He's got all this. <laughs> but now he's taken so much time off, we're just going to say that he's dead. He fell off a cliff. He died on impact. Here's Tony Kennett. And uh, that's right, ladies and gentlemen. You can follow me mediocrely on Twitter at TheTonus. And that's my <laughs> ad for the day. So in regards to what's happening in Israel. Sure. Sounds like the United States is preparing 2,000 troops for possible deployment, but it's not going to be for like combat purposes. That's right. So for a, a quick little bit of information for a lot of individuals out there, there are four main called shops, S1, 2, 3, and 4, in a unit. And the majority of those shops' time is spent with logistics, medical, leadership, communication, and that's what those 2,000 troops are going to be drawn from. Not combat troops, but advising in logistics, advising in protecting American interests outside the embassy, and also maintaining like medical advice to protect the American Red Cross on site, not combat troops. And it's important because there's a large, larger group, I should say, growing whose cry is more, you know, oh, the U.S. shouldn't get involved at all. Not the same thing as combat involvement, to be fair to all groups at play here. So while all of this is taking place, and again, we keep hearing that some sort of ground attack is imminent. We just don't know yet. There are progressives in our country, in the United States, that are calling for the United States to take in what could be 
one million Gaza refugees, Tony. Dude, this this bewilders me. This bewilders me. Like it's like when Shreve went back on the Second Amendment and shot himself in the foot with his own voters. There is a small group on the right who is avidly against the United States getting involved in the Israel Gaza war, and they're doing it in kind of a gross way, but their entire premise is that we just want to stay out, very isolationist. Why would you isolate that group from the keep the U.S. out of it by then saying they want to import a million Gazan unknowns? We don't know. I mean, these are the same groups that were in the streets chanting kill the Jews during the attacks from Gaza into Israel. These are Palestinians that were in the streets chanting. These weren't visitors. I'm, we're not. I'm not. Who, who's going to host them? Who's going to put them in that? You, Hammer, are you going to house refugees in your home? You're already seeing the, quote, sanctuary cities complaining that the border situation prior to what happened in Israel was unsustainable. Like, you've got the governor of New York, Kathy Hochul, coming out and saying, we're closed. Sorry, you don't have anywhere to go here in the state of New York, which just a couple of years ago, they were like, bring us your poor, bring us your hungry. We're a sanctuary city. And then people called their bluff on it, and they're like, well, hell, that backfired. But you've got New York representative and well-known fire alarm puller, Jamal Brown, stating this, quote, 50% of the population in Gaza are children. The international community as well as the United States should be prepared to welcome refugees from Palestine while being very careful to vet and not allow members of Hamas. So now... The U.S. immigration system could not vet a poodle. Oh now, my God. all of a sudden, they want to vet who's oh! coming in, Tony. You mean like when they vetted the Afghanistani refugees who trashed Camp Atterbury? Or when they vetted the, the now, Central wait a American Channel refugees? Channel 13 told me that everything was fine. It was just kids playing soccer and that I was a lunatic. And then here comes the narrator. But then the United States government gave Camp Atterbury millions of dollars for damages. $6.5 million for Dumpster Diver Boy to get his report wrong. <laughs> womp freaking womp. I'm, I just don't, I don't know. How many times are we going to play this game where we pretend that the United States has this like vast summer camp structure set up to house all of these refugees? Where, where are we going to put them? I, I don't understand how you're going to up in private industry, how you're going to up in state and private property to we're already breaking under the point of Central, South American and Mexican refugees. We do not have the capacity. Our economy's in shambles right now as it is. In 2022, last year's numbers, whether it was Afghan refugees, Mexican, Cuban, whoever you want to talk about, the United States took in 25,465 refugees that we know about. That is an increase of 123% from the previous year. And I'm going to go one further and say that the immigrants who you bring in, their value structure matters. Immigrants who want to assimilate into the United States, like Catholic refugees from South America, who want to participate in American industry, who ardently hate the communism of Cuba and Venezuela. Those are people I want in this country because they want to make the U.S. better, not people who are just in the streets chanting death to America for the last 25 years. Those people, I don't want you in the country. I'm sorry. We're full. Doors are closed. But the real reality is they're already here. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We just stopped two Iranian individuals on the terror watch list. This is from the Daily Signal this afternoon from reporter Tyler O'Neill. Two individuals from Iran on the terror watch list were stopped waltzing across the border this afternoon. And those are just guys that 
we caught. Right. Now, on the subject of Iran, over the weekend, the Biden administration's Baghdad Bob, Mm. John Kirby, was doing the Sunday morning talk shows and stopped by to speak to Fox News Sunday with Shannon Bream. And she asked him directly why the Biden administration has made it easier for Iran to fund terror. But fair to say that it relieves other financial obligations for them if they know that they can get help on these other fronts through money coming in. I mean, the State Department tells us that Iran gives $100 billion a year in support to Palestinian terror groups. This is the fungibility argument, which is also a false argument, too. It's not like the Iranians were sitting around saying, hmm, well, we have $6 billion that we can free up to to, to go fund terrorists and not feed our, we don't have to worry about feeding our people. They never were worried about feeding their people. They were never worried about actual humanity assistance to their own population. And again, they don't have any access to it. The other argument is that the, 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 the support to terrorists, that, that has been longstanding under previous administrations as well. So why and it's it not easier like we haven't, we haven't made it easier, Shannon. We have, in this administration alone, just in the two and a half years the president's been in office, 400 entities sanctioned for a range of reasons, 30, uh, 30 additional sanction regimes and 300 entities just in the last year alone. And again, we've increased our military presence. This idea that we're just somehow turning a blind eye, whistling past a graveyard as Iran supports terrorist networks. It's just not true. I wish the YouTube cameras were working. They're broken today. But Tony Kennett was like throwing up his hands, spinning around in his chair. I thought we were going to get the full Bob Knight chair toss here just a moment ago. The floor is yours. So you know the term gaslighting. This is full-on gas spotlighting. This is gas lantern powered by 18 12-volt batteries lighting. This is insane. This government has given more financial and diplomatic aid to the government, the regime of Iran, than any administration since Obama's first term in office. The this is beyond insane. And also the idea that, oh, that's not a fungible argument. I don't know. I want to tell you a story. I was in college. I was a broke freshman and I needed to buy something. And I was in a conversation with my mother and I said, I would love to grab a pizza tonight. Cause she's like, it's Friday night. You're going to grab a pizza and stay in. I said, no, I need to buy this one thing for my room that I don't have. So she bought me the pizza. So I was able to buy the thing I needed for my room. That's basic economic. It, if you give Iran the money to buy food and buy infrastructure materials, guess what? The other money is free to spend on other things. This is below elementary. This is preschool economics. This is Fisher Price economics. So that's John Kirby. Now, his little sidekick, the scrappy doo to his Scooby Doo, is Jake Sullivan, the national security advisor. He went on Meet the Press with Kristen Welker, and to her credit, again, when it's NBC, you always want to actually give them credit for doing their jobs. To her credit, she brought up this soundbite from September 29th. The Middle East region is quieter today than it has been in two decades. Now, challenges remain. Iran's nuclear weapons program, the tensions between Israelis and Palestinians. But the amount of time that I have to spend on crisis and conflict in the Middle East today compared to any of my predecessors going back to 9-11 is significantly reduced. So that was September 29th. National Security Advisor Jake Sullivan saying everything's quiet over in the Middle East. Here was Kristen Welker's question to Jake Sullivan yesterday. Jake, why was your assessment there so far off the mark? 
All right, love that. I love that question. It's direct. It's quick. Why were you so off the mark? That's really Kristen Welker's version of saying this. Hey, bud, what's your problem? <laughs> so, Tony, <laughs> we're going to play Choose Your Own Adventure here. Oh, I love Choose Your How Own How do you think Jake Sullivan is going to answer that question? Will he, A, talk nonsense and just try to run out the time left in the interview? Hmm. B, double down and say that he was right, but taken out of context or see a little bit of both. Well, as a state test taker, you always got to go with all of the above. That's the clear answer here. Here is Jake Sullivan. Well, first, Kristen, I made those comments in the context of developments in the wider Middle East region over the last few years after two decades that involved a civil war in Yemen and a massive humanitarian catastrophe, a civil war in Syria and a massive refugee crisis, an invasion and insurgency in Iraq, a NATO military operation in Libya, Iranian-backed attacks on both Saudi and the UAE, uh, as well as many other steps, including the rise of a terrorist caliphate that actually occupied a huge amount of territory. The sentence before what you just played, I said, in fact, that this was for now. So you were right. It was, see, a little bit of bull crap, a little bit of doubling down, and mm. I was taken out of context. It's a recipe for wholesome foreign policy. <laughs> If you think the president of the United States is a moron, wait until you see the people carrying his water. Whether that's Jake Sullivan, whether that's, God, the Baghdad Bob of the uh, Biden administration, Kirby, whether that's Corrine Jean-Pierre. <laughs> Just when you think you've reached the bottom of the barrel of morons in the Biden administration, a new person comes along and proves that if you hold up and look underneath the barrel, you'll find a whole new level of stupid. Hammer and Nigel presents. Is. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yeah. Is this anything? All right, let's rock and roll. Rock and roll. Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nige, and this is how we're going to do Is This Anything? I'm going to run some stories by the Tonus. He will break down all of the information, and he will be the one that gives us a verdict. Is the story anything or not? We start with this. There's a term going viral called airport dad because there's a woman who's a flight attendant, and she's been a flight attendant for a number of years. She did some TikTok video talking about what an airport dad is. So the airport dad starts off as an airport boyfriend or an airport husband. I've seen couples get on board where the guy is carrying all the bags and the woman is carrying her wedding ring, her purse, and her love for him, okay? The airport dad sees the drink cart coming down the aisle and asks his wife's order or his girlfriend's order before the drink cart even gets there. And if she's asleep, he doesn't wake her up for her order. He just gets what she usually drinks. Now, if there are kids involved, airport dad is an active participating parent the entire time. He's going back and forth with Sally to the bathroom, okay? He's watching Bluey on the iPad with one eye open just to make the kid feel engaged. If there's babies involved, airport dad has everything but the baby. He's breaking down the stroll of the jet bridge, coming out with the suitcases and diaper bag, and mom has headed to the seat. That anything? I'm just, again, confused by the, the need of suburban women to assign a label to absolutely everything on earth. I just I, I just thought that's like just being a parent. Being a good dude. Yeah. I, I don't understand why. Well, it's actually, that's an airport dad. It's a psychological phenomenon. <laughs> it's like, okay, maybe, maybe. 
there are just healthy relationships. And then there are ones where like, maybe he's having a mad day. Maybe the dude just sucks. Why do we need like a special, are you a certified airport dad? Is that on your Tinder bio? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, being an actual dad, a good dude, somebody that's got a little chivalry inside of them. I don't think you need a label for that. If anybody needs a label, it's the folks on the other side. Like in the Adam Sandler movie, The Wedding Singer, where <laughs> you know there's the one guy that Drew Barrymore is on the flight with that's not Adam Sandler, and he won't let her sit, you know, where she wants to sit, and the cart keeps hitting her elbows. Call that guy an a-hole. You don't need to call the good guy the airport dad. No, and again, I, I'm amazed that we were we were talking about how awful chivalry was a couple of years ago. Remember all these guys treating women like they're property holding doors for them, like they're just little little creatures they possess? Oh, a woman yelled at me for holding the door open for her at McDonald's. Now, I responded, but she yelled yeah, at me. as you should. Well, I mean, you weren't just being a sexist pig. You were being an airport dad at the local McDonald's. Who now- would have thought? <laughs> Is this anything? A woman in Atlanta was left with a bill by a guy who invited her out on a date for drinks. He didn't like the fact that she sat down, ordered 48 oysters, plus an expensive meal on top of that. He snuck out, left her with the bill. Here is her side of the story. Today I was bored and I had time, so he texts me like, can we meet for drinks? And I'm like, yeah, meet me here. They got the best oysters in the land. Y'all, when the fourth one came out, he was looking at me crazy. I'm like, baby, you invited me out. I'm going to eat. These potatoes in the crab cakes. Why say he going to the bathroom and never come back? It's been like 10, 20, 30 minutes in there grabbing a tab. That was crazy to me. That anything? It's the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I love it so much. There's common courtesy. There just is. You know, if you're if you, when my parents take me out to eat, you don't get the most expensive thing on the menu. Uh, you just don't. I, honestly, do Nigel I think, does. Does he? Oh, he told the story on the air of how he was at his wife's company's like Christmas party, and they could get whatever they wanted on the menu, and he got the expensive wagyu steak, and like even his wife looked at him like, "What the hell is the matter with you?" Okay. But that's like the, the corporate like kind. I've I've been out on like a heritage or a daily signal dinner before, and I've gotten a slightly nicer meal than I might have gotten. But like it's different when it's just like someone who asked you out on a date, and you come out and you're like, "Yeah, I'll take 13 15 ounce steaks. I'll take four <laughs> kegs. I want the old ninety sixer, and I'm gonna eat the gristle too. Half of Ireland's potatoes. And you're like, what? <laughs> what are you? Some kind of large moose romping through the restaurant? I think you should have just looked at her dead in the face and said. No, it's going to be two checks. And that's like that's the hammer I'd like to drop. So, counterpoint here, what if instead of doing that, he looks at her and says, "Those undies are coming off tonight. Do we have an understanding?" <laughs> Is this just like the this is the Louisiana version of getting the lobster, getting 40 yes. trays of oysters? I'm willing to buy your 48 oysters. That might make for a fun night. I'm willing to buy your expensive meal, but I'm wearing those undies as a hat tonight. This is happening. I, I don't know, man. I I, the, I still think of oysters, and I think of this Mr. Bean episode where he eats a ton of oysters and he gets sick. And I just, uh, oysters, they, they creep me out. We went from being turned on to Mr. Bean. Thanks for ruining the mood, Tony. You're welcome. I, I'm saving all of the people out there who thought, maybe I should order 40 oysters. Maybe it'll turn him on. It's the Hammer and Nigel show. 
Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. You're listening to The Hammer and Nigel Show. Bringing it back to our backyard here on Mondays. One of the things we like to do is recap the violence meter of what's happening here in Indianapolis. And from Friday through Sunday, Tony, at least 15 people shot, two killed. And again, this is almost like an afterthought. People are tired of hearing about this. It doesn't really make the news headlines anymore. But I'm sorry, 200 homicides a year should never become complacent. I, I'm, I'm still waiting for uh, Hogsett to actually address this. I'm still waiting for the equity woke solutions that he and Ryan Mears put into place. Uh, I'm, I'm waiting for those to. Well, they say it goes down because it's not a record, even though oh. he was in charge of the record. Because it's not a record, they'll tell everybody that crime's gone down, homicides have gone down. It's a good thing the school bus got in an accident because the bus was only two thirds full of children. Aren't you? Why aren't you guys happy? I mean, it could have been a bus full of kids, but actually, it's the same crap Biden does with the gas prices, right? Gas prices are down year over year. Well, yeah, but your policies kind of help make it reach that record level the year before. And it was only cheap with Trump because of COVID and no one was driving. I still remember before COVID, gas was like 175, 180. I mean, it wasn't down to the the low ones like it was at some point in in some points during COVID, but it was still below two bucks or in the low twos. You're, You're lucky to get around three in some places right now. So how in the hell has our mayor's race been hijacked by commercials about abortion and gun control. Oh, oh, I I know the answer to this one. It's because Shreve is scared of Hogsett. That's it. The reason is because Shreve and his political advisors are terrified of Joe Hogsett. You say, well, how do you know that, Tony? Here's how I know that. Because every time Joe Hogsett launched a new campaign against Shreve, Shreve changed his policies. He would, Hogsett would get out there and say, Shreve's a big NRA gun. They always use the same voice actor for that. Shreve used the NRA secret gun money. And then Shreve ran out and he would say, well, actually, I'm I'm not really, I'm, I'm, I'm actually not. It's like Porky the Pig. That's a solid Porky Pig, by really, the way. Really? He gets out there and and says, well, I'm actually not super pro 2A. Actually, I think the state should ban this and that. And it's like, what? Why? And they did the same thing with abortion. Shreve wants abortion to be illegal. And then Shreve got out there and said, well, actually, I'm, I'm going to order the IMPD not to, 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 to prosecute Why the hell are we crime. talking about abortion Dude, and gun control? You You're have a mayor low. and you can't do that stuff. You have low-hanging fruit. Oh, it's right there. It's like watching Dora the Explorer, and she just won't. She's like, where is the backpack? And you're like, it's right in front of your face, and she <laughs> won't pick up the backpack. That's Jefferson Shreve. All you got to do is address the murders. All you got to do. And instead, no, he's got to talk about all of this other fruity, goofy nonsense that's driving more voters away instead of building a bigger camp. And I was talking with my kids about this this past weekend because they're involved in this stuff. They're old enough to know, you know, one is going to school to become like a political advisor, a chief of staff. My youngest one will be old enough to vote here in a couple of years, but they both understand that a mayor 
has no say on state laws on abortion, and a mayor has no say on state laws on firearms. You are not going to go to the Indiana General Assembly and get them to create a special Marion County package just for you. That's not going to happen. And and fun fact, regarding Shreve saying that he would not order the IMPD to investigate, let's say if an, an abortionist opened up shop here in Indianapolis, and that's illegal in the state of Indiana, let's talk about this just for a quick second. It's a misdemeanor to tell people that as a civil servant that you are like you are ordering individuals to violate the law. You cannot order people to violate state law. If it is a state law to do something and you as a mayor order the police department not to do that, that is a class B misdemeanor in the state of Indiana. So Shreve campaign, I know you're listening. Maybe your guys shouldn't go on air and say, hey, I'm going to commit a misdemeanor. I Just to just a quick recommendation. I know that's a shocking idea. And here's the thing, like, because people come at me all the time. What are you trying to get Hogshead elected? No, nobody hates Joe Hogshead more than I do. That's why I'm so disappointed. I'm overly disappointed with what's happening with the Shreve campaign. Because at the very beginning, I wanted to believe in this dude. I really did. He's got the money to compete. You need that. And maybe he can go toe-to-toe with a very vulnerable Joe Hogshead. But instead of punching at him on the crime and, you know, punching on him where he was at during the riots in Indianapolis, we've all heard the rumors. Some people, wink, wink, have spoke to people who may or may not have been into rehab with him. Instead of doing all that, you talked about abortion. You talked about how awesome his gun control plan was. If you want to win over some other voters in Marion County, here's all you had to do. You had to come out and go, this guy across from me, what he's proposing right now could never become the law in Indiana. I, on the other hand, I want to come up with real solutions, and I'm looking for your feedback. Here's what I'm thinking. We need to lock up violent offenders, because I don't care if you live in a white community or an all-black community on the east side of Indianapolis. You want your neighborhood safe. I'm not looking to bust people for weed. I'm not looking to lock people up for ridiculous things. I'm looking to lock up violent, repeat offenders. I want white neighborhoods safe. I want black neighborhoods safe. You say that against a vulnerable candidate like Joe Hogsett, you keep your base and you pick up a few voters on the other side. And I think you have a ball game. Instead, he listens to quite possibly the dumbest political advisors I've seen in Indiana. In a, a Republican advisor group out of Chicago who knows nothing about Indianapolis, knows nothing about its history, knows nothing about how its political movements changed in the 60s, 70s and 80s, knows nothing about an Indiana industry, has no idea what she's talking about. Yet she's advising the campaign. This is the stupid. Stupidest level. By the way, I talk to a lot of different groups in D.C., from establishment groups to populist groups to conservative groups. Indiana's GOP operation is a laughing stock because we cannot even get decent candidates through. I'll go one further than you. Do I want Joe Hogsett to win? You bet I do, because I don't want Shreve to win. Shreve has no principles. Shreve has no candidate quality. And the second that you elect one of these mediocre garbage candidates in a city where Democrats have won the last umpteen elections, that is going to advertise one 
one thing and one thing only. You need candidates like Shreve to win the election. That is garbage. We don't need less Republican candidates. We need more conservative, more libertarian candidates who are actually decent, not Shreve the abomination garbage heap dumpster fire. You don't need to sell out your base to get voters from the other side because as much as it blows their mind to understand, talk to Reverend Charles Harrison. Talk to the folks that he has going neighborhood to neighborhood and problem hotspots all throughout the city. They want the same things that the folks in the nice parts of Kessler want. A safe neighborhood. You don't have to pander to them. Nope. You just have to be tough on crime. You don't have to do the ridiculous crap that Jefferson Shreve's pulling and you're so right. If Shreve wins this, to quote Joe Biden, get ready, Bal, because every Republican candidate is going to be a wishy-washy Holcomb Shreve clone. I'm tired of sitting in backdoor, closed-door meetings with other Indiana GOP and Marion County GOP members telling me that, well, as Indianapolis goes, so goes the state, and we need to get all of these moderates into office because they're the only ones who could sway Dem voters. You haven't swayed any Dem voters in the last 25 years. Why is this moderate GOP voter suddenly going to start swinging the Democrat voters? Really? is it your 15th door hanger that you left that suddenly convinced the lady to switch parties? Because guess what? It hasn't worked yet. The same priority. I asked Newt Ginrich to his face, do the things that worked during your time as Speaker of the House still work in Republican elections? He looked me dead in the face and said, no, they don't. And Republicans who say that to themselves are fooling themselves. So what are you going to say? Because I I know they're going to come after me too. After Joe Hogsett wins the election, when people come at you, Tony Kennett, Jason Hammer, you were the one that cost Jefferson Shreve the election. What's your response? My response is this. Uh, why am I why am I responsible for tripping at the the 99, you know, right at the one yard line when the other goober was carrying the ball? He was the one who could have gone out and addressed voters. He fumbled it. I'm simply telling people, you have no idea what jerseys he's wearing. You have no idea what team he was on. He changed the two core principles that Republicans in Indiana are supposed to care about within three months of each other based on one political attack from the leading Democrat. You know what he believes? He doesn't even know what he believes. He gave political ads from his rich white paneled walls from his mansion you, and, and I'm not responsible for him running a crappy campaign I'm just not it, you can be that's mad at me if well you want that's very well thought out and that's very nice it's a lot nicer than my response it's not my fault he sucks bite me this is the Hammer and Nigel show Tony Kennett filling in for Big Nigel and Tonus a flight to Tampa Returned to Panama. Oh man! Because they had a suspected bomb on board. Oh, that's very, very serious. So they got all 144 passengers off the plane. Uh-huh. The anti-explosive team. They were going aisle to aisle. They found whatever it was. They inspected it. It was an adult diaper. It. It, it was a what? It was a, an adult diaper that they thought was a bomb. Uh, so the, I have a few questions. I've got several questions. Number one, <laughs> who reported the adult diaper? Number two, was the adult diaper used? And number three, whose adult diaper was it? And listen, maybe the movies have taught me incorrectly, but when I think of a bomb, I think of something where there's wires and maybe there's powder and there's a bunch of things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've seen a pair of Depends, and in no way... Do they look anything like something that would explode? 
Now, maybe the, there was confusion. Perhaps somebody said, dude, somebody just dropped a bomb in that bathroom back there. Ah. And maybe that's what this was. But the only thing they found back there was an adult diaper. Uh, maybe it's like, you know, like some some guy who's like really self-conscious about the fact that he started wearing adult diapers. And then like just to be a friend, his buddy's like, dude, I don't know what you're worried about. That adult diaper looks like the bomb. <laughs> right. And so like then someone else got really scared. And maybe, I don't know, maybe someone was reading a book about the underpants bomber. There's so many angles. On this date in 1987, rescuers in Midland, Texas, pulled 18-month baby Jessica out of the well. She'd fallen into it. She was there for 58 hours. If you want to feel old, baby Jessica today is 37 years old. You remember this on the news? You were a little bit younger than I am. I'm 46. How old are you, Tonus? I don't. I don't want to say because I'm going I'm to get made fun of. I'm 28. You're 28. I was well, not. You, I was not alive in old. 1987. Like, and I mean this as like a dignified thing. You oh, look thanks. older. It's it's the beard. Without it, I look like a third grade girl singing in choir. This was like wall to wall coverage on the news. Like, and the baby comes up and it's fine. And now. She's 37 years old. Holy hell. On this date back in 1987. All right. When we come back, we're going to do something we haven't done in a while. We're going to play a fun spirited round of Am I a Horrible Person? Oh, it's my favorite game. We've got that coming up and we'll check in with a certain president of the United States. So get ready, Bal. We got a lot of stuff to get to. Do not go anywhere. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Hammer and Nigel. Can you believe these characters are weirdos? So let's rock! We got a little action going on in front of the White House right now. Nothing too major. It's the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer, Tony Kennett of the Daily Signal and the soon-to-be Tony Kennett Show every Monday through Friday at 7 o'clock beginning on November 6th. Uh, We just heard that few arrests are being made in front of the White House right now. Yeah, there's a group of uh, pro-Palestinian, pro-Hamas protesters that are currently advocating in front of the White House. Uh, individuals have told colleagues of mine, Mary Margaret Olihan of the Daily Signal, as well as Tim Kennedy, uh, that they believe Biden is complicit in genocide, and they've been getting a bit frisky. Uh, that would be the uh, pro-Hamas protesters, not my colleagues. And uh, these pro-Hamas protesters have gotten so frisky and thrown some things and tried to rush certain parts of, of the gates in front of the White House, um, that uh, the it appears like Secret Service is making some arrests, throwing some of these people on the ground. And uh, to that, I say, good, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. We're also hearing that uh, United States troops, they are ready to deploy to Israel, but this would be for a non-combat role. Yeah, so the the 2,000 troops that are basically being put on standby for possible deployment are in a support capacity. Now, here's what a support capacity does not mean. It does not mean that you send 2,000 men with rifles loaded full bear, full ruck. 
just waiting for something to happen. You know, oh, they'll be in support capacity until something happens. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. No, these are logistics troops. If there's one thing the U.S. military does better than anyone, it's logistics. We're going there to ensure logistical protection of our various assets, to provide medical care and protection of U.S., uh, excuse me, American Red Cross assets, um, as well as uh, a little bit of an advisement role on citizen and resource management. So with all of this stuff taking place, I feel like... I feel like there's one person we need to check in with to gauge his temperature on what's happening. I feel like we need to check in with wheeling, dealing, hair sniffing, kiss stealing Joe Biden. I got hairy legs. <laughs> Take a test where you're taking cocaine. Come on, man. You ain't black. So, Joe Biden sat down with 60 Minutes and was asked, point blank, if Iran bears some blame for funding Hamas in the attack that killed innocent Israelis. Is Iran behind the Gaza war? I don't want to get into classified information, but to be very blunt with you, there is no clear evidence of that. At this point, no evidence that Iran is behind any of this. Correct. Now, Iran constantly supports Hamas and Hezbollah. I don't mean that. But in terms of where they, did they have foreknowledge? Did they help plan the attack? There's no evidence of that at this point. I love this particularly because there are some things that you can say that people can kind of argue whether something was or wasn't true. Hamas went on 14 different international television networks from Russia to Syria to Iran itself and said openly on the air, hey, check out these emails and text messages and design documents and planning documents and additional collaboration that shows Iran not only knew of the attack beforehand, but also really helped orchestrate it and helped us plan a lot of things, including Iranian software using the rocket guidance systems and things like that. Iran is wholly responsible for this attack. You may not like that. You may not like the implications of the United States calling out Iran, but that does not change the fact that Iran definitely orchestrated this. And again, is the Hezbollah and Hamas are client states of Iran. Everyone is very open about this. When one of those two groups acts, it is because Iran ordered them to do so, period. And did you catch the way he tried to backtrack? Back track a little bit there at the very end. Now, we know Iran funds Hamas and Hezbollah, but we don't think they had anything to do with this attack, their signature attack, their big attack, what they've been working on for a while. We don't think Iran had anything to do with that. Does anybody buy that? No. Anybody believing that at all? No. Now, in that same interview, (laughs) Scott Pelley of 60 Minutes asks Joe Biden, what's your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? There's limited fighting already on the northern Israeli border, and I wonder what is your message to Hezbollah and its backer, Iran? Don't. Don't, don't, don't. Don't come across the border. Don't escalate this war. That's right. He just sounds so frail and feeble, but it's odd that in the same conversation, just a couple minutes apart, he went from, I don't think Iran had anything to do with this attack, to 
don't, 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 trying to scare them. So that is so it is so two things can be true at once here. Number one, the president of the United States is incredibly frail. Man, it really sucks that the person leading the free world right now, who should be ready to go as far as staying up for a lot of hours and handling these crises and, and really getting involved in making sure the United States is very precise with his movements. It sucks that there's a dementia ridden shell of a man. That's horrible. It's a very bad place to be in. Second thing, though, is that the response is appropriate. It, not in the way he's saying it, but the answer here is don't. That's why the Gerald Ford is sitting off the coast of southern Lebanon right now. Don't. The only way to prevent a regional war right now is to remind all of those countries, if you screw up and make this a massive conflict, we will glass you. That is the only way to stop a regional war here, period. There is no other way to stop it at this point. So Israel over the weekend says they believe 199 hostages are in Gaza. We've all seen the horrifying videos, pictures, or at least heard the stories of what took place during those attacks. Now, with that being said, Joe Biden says an Israeli occupation of Gaza would be a mistake. Would you support Israeli occupation of Gaza at this point? I think it'd be a big mistake. Look, what happened in Gaza, in my view, is... Hamas and the extreme elements of Hamas don't represent all the Palestinian people. And uh, I think that uh, it would be a mistake to uh, for Israel to occupy Gaza again. We did, but to going in and taking out the, uh, the extremists, the uh, Hezbollah, is up north, but Hamas down south is a necessary requirement. Show me one Palestinian who says that they don't support Hamas. Take me live right now to any person at all. Find me one person who is a citizen of this Gaza area who is willing to condemn Hamas. If you can find one of those people, I will give credence to that idea. There has not been one. You even see most of the pro-Palestinian people who are not involved at all in protests over here who refuse to condemn Hamas. I asked people on the square, or excuse me, on the circle, very specifically, do you condemn Hamas? And they said, F off. That was it. I, I, so, no, I, I'm sorry. It, it is direct. Israel should be occupying Gaza. They should take it back. The kingdom of Jerusalem should be restored, period. Now, this was a long form interview. Again, Scott Pelley of 60 Minutes sitting down with hair sniffer McGee, and they shifted to American politics and the million dollar question. Are you sure you want to run again? Are you sure that you want to run again? Yes, because I'm sure. Look. When I ran, I said, the world's at an inflection point. The world's changing, but we have an opportunity to make it. So imagine if we were able to succeed in getting the Middle East put in place where we have normalization of relations. I think we can do that. Imagine what happens if we, in fact, unite all of Europe and Putin is finally put down where he cannot cause the kind of trouble he's been causing. We have enormous opportunities. I mean, all right. When you when when you're when your kids were young, and they came in and they just started telling you their grand theories for things, no no predicate, you know, nothing before to clarify what they're talking about. You ever look at them and be like, what on earth are you going on about? <laughs> That's what it's what it's like hearing Biden here. Like, what are you talking? A unified Middle East, all cohesive. Are we looking at the same Middle East I we're looking at? What on 
Earth, United Europe, France is on fire. <laughs> and the thing is, your predecessor, by all things you know, we're looking at here, by all metrics, had a pretty good grasp. There was more peace brokerings in the Middle East. It wasn't perfect, but it's better than this. You didn't have Putin getting squirrely under Donald Trump. Things were pretty good. There were no U.S. involvements in war. Things were fine. And oh, by the way, the answer to his question had nothing to do with the American people. His nope. question was a global scale. Here's what I want to do the globe. There was nothing in there that would benefit the American people. Let's talk about that for a second, because there's a lot of people on both sides that are like, well, the United States has no dog in this fight. We need to stay very far away from this. And I don't think that Lindsey Graham, the senator from the Carolinas, is correct in saying we need to bomb Iran. Obviously, that's dumb. That's warmongering. However, they have, that being Hamas, has in custody our American citizens. They are holding them hostage. The United States also has a history of going after our hostages. Thomas Jefferson destroyed the Barbary states when they raided U.S. ships. We were the only power on Earth to take down the Barbary states and that Muslim pirate garbage back in the 1800s. So don't sit here and tell me the United States doesn't have a stake in getting our people out. If you fire rockets at our Secretary of State, it's an act of war. If you hold our people hostage, it's an act of war. I do not like seeing the United States, the most powerful country on the earth, Mivel and Quim in front of aggressors. They have our people. Those are ours. They have American passports. They're guaranteed our protection abroad. Who is bringing those people home? So far, looks like DeSantis. That's it. That's the way it is. We're going to shift gears. We're going to do something we haven't done in a while. We're going to play a good old-fashioned round of Am I a Horrible Person? Hammer and Nigel present Am I a Horrible Person? Dude, you're awful. Horrible, horrible, horrible. You're a bad person. Like, all the way through to your core. So I'm going to tell you a story. I'm going to tell you where I fall into this story, and then we're going to open up the phone lines and see if people think I'm a horrible person, Tony. Dateline, South Carolina. South Kakalaki. A woman in South Carolina had a big decorated yard for Halloween. I guess she does this every year. Skeletons, coffins, ghosts, you know, the inflatables. She does this every year. And like all the neighborhood kids, they like it. They think it's cool. They look forward to it every year. This year, her neighbor asked her if she could remove and take down all of the decorations because... A member of the neighbor's family had been recently diagnosed with cancer, and all of that stuff reminds them of death. Now, the conversation was captured on a ring doorbell. I know you're celebrating Halloween and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You just got diagnosed with cancer the other day. Oh, okay. You know, the thing is just scary. Oh, uh, I, I wasn't even thinking about that. You know, I'm just trying to redirect it to different thoughts, you know, not thinking about it. So the woman took down all of the decorations, every single one of them. Am I a horrible person? Because I think that's a Bush League thing for the neighbor to do. 
So listen, it's Halloween time. I'm sorry, you're going to see a lot of stuff. Every time you see somebody in a costume or somebody with a jack-o'-lantern or the great pumpkin comes on TV, are you going to lose your blank and demand the network not air it or everybody else in the neighborhood also take down their Halloween decorations? In no way was this sweet woman trying to rub salt in the wound of the cancer patient. No way at all. Am I the Lone Ranger here? Am I a horrible person for thinking that's a Bush League thing for the neighbor to ask? you to take down all of your Halloween decorations. I want to open it up. 239-9393. If you think I'm a rotten SOB, that's okay. You can let me know. My feelings are not going to be hurt. I've got thick skin. 239-9393. Or maybe you agree with me. Maybe you think that was a Bush League question for the neighbor to Ask the other person with all the decorations. Something she does every year to make kids happy. 239-9393. Am I a horrible person for thinking that's a little ridiculous? Hammer and Nigel present. Am I a horrible person? Dude, you're awful. Horrible. 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 You're such a bad person. Like, all the way through to your core. So, here's what we're dealing with here. There's a woman in South Carolina, and every year she puts up an awesome Halloween display in her yard, right? The blow-ups, the ghosts, the scary music, the coffins, the skeletons. A neighbor who's got somebody in the family recently diagnosed with cancer comes across the street and says, hey... My loved one is battling cancer, and when we see coffins and when we see skeletons, that makes us sad about the diagnosis. Can you please take everything down? I feel like that's a Bush League thing to do. Kids in the neighborhood love the Halloween decorations. They're making memories by going there trick-or-treating, and I got news for the family across the street. I'm sorry for what happened. I'm sorry for the cancer diagnosis. Cancer sucks. Right. Joe Biden promised us the cure. I don't think we have it yet. But come on. Like, you're going to see a lot of stuff between now and Halloween. Are you going to demand television takes off the Great Pumpkin? Are you going to get upset at kids going to trick-or-treat? I think that's a Bush League thing to do. Am I a horrible person? Tim, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Am I a horrible person? Thank you. Of course you're a horrible person, Hammer. But that's besides the point. They are not wrecked. They uh, are being selfish, and unfortunately, they're making the last the situation worse than what it is by pro- pushing it off onto the neighbors and all that. If they don't want to celebrate Halloween, that's their choice. I just leave your light off so nobody comes to your house to trick or treat. I guess. Right. Thank you for listening. You got it. Thank you, Tim. Dan, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Am I a horrible person? Uh, hey, Jason, I'm, I'm with you on this one, man. It's like uh, I'm a Colts fan, and I don't want my neighbor wearing Jaguars jerseys anymore because it hurts my feelings, you know? That's a great point. I'm sorry, but I'm with you. Thank you. Rob, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Am I a horrible person? Man, I can't believe it, Hammer. You are absolutely the not worst. Yeah! Person. 
There it is. I completely agree with you. Absolutely. You guys have put it down this afternoon 100% as it should be said. Thank you very much. And again, I'm not trying to make light of the diagnosis nope. across the street. Not, not at, at all. all. As a matter of fact, I pray for the family. We've all had a loved one deal with cancer, and it's gross, and it sucks. And I hope we live in a world one day where there's some sort of cure. But telling the neighbor to take down all of the decorations and ruining it for the kids in the neighborhood, that sucks. I'm sorry. Uh, let's go to uh, Nige. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. Hey, this is uh, Nige back from the dead. I hope that doesn't hurt that person's feeling. You are a horrible person, but not for this reason. It sounds to me like they gave up on life already, and that's just too bad. They need to embrace life for what it is and the fun that Halloween is. Thank right you on. Your time. Thank you. It's nice to have a Nige on this program from time to time. <laughs> uh, let's go to Cody. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show, Cody. Am I a horrible person? Absolutely not. I think you're a great guy. Uh, I would have been the same way. Uh, I would not take it down. If I did take it down, I'd be asking for uh, probably some money. Oh, okay. Thank you. Enterprising. Gerald on Twitter, not a horrible person. I would have doubled down and put hospital gowns and masks on all the skeletons. Oh. Wow. Okay. Vanessa, welcome to the Hammer and Nigel show. Am I a horrible person? No, absolutely not. Um, I am the person who does that decorating myself. I have the skeletons of ghosts every year. My the, And not only do the kids love it, the parents love it. And I would have had to apologize and said, you know, I'm sorry about the situation you're in, but I wouldn't have taken it all down. That's a lot of work. Right. Thank you. Jason, you're next up. Welcome to the Hammer and Nigel Show. How are you? I'm all right, man. I think I might be the worst person in the world, though. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? That's a good start. I'm adding to it, dude. <laughs> I'm, I'm putting up even more stuff. I might even go as far as adding lights to my mailbox. It, it'd be really bad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, you know, that. there's a lot of people that have chimed in on Twitter and said the exact same thing. They yeah. would double down on it. Uh, Stephanie, you get the last word here. Am I a horrible person? No, you're not a horrible person. Um, if anything, when you're dealing with a chronic illness, you need to have a positive outlook. And if something like that is getting you down, then you're just going to have to get your mindset better to deal with your um, diagnosis because you're going to see stuff that triggers you all the time and you just gotta suck it up buttercup stephanie right on thank you so much and thank you to all of you who called in and i'm feeling a little bit better about myself whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about kaskali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if kaskali is right for you you're listening to the Hammer and Nigel oh, Show. Cowards and jerks. <laughs> Are we right history? Mocktails! 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 He really laid it on thick. Mocktails! <laughs> oh, hell yeah! We're going back in the vaults, Mock, for a little mocktails. How are you? I missed that 
song. It's been too long. <laughs> it's the Hammer and Nigel <laughs> Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett's in for Big Nige. And Mock, one half of the chicks on the right, joins us. Let's get down to business. I'm going to sound like Jerry Seinfeld here. What's the deal with all of these college kids protesting for Hamas on campus? It's so embarrassing. I mean, I ju- it's just, and I, it's just so upsetting because this is the kind of stuff where, you know, you often hear people talking about never forgetting the Holocaust. How could this possibly have happened? Well, now you know. It's, it's made evident by the psychopaths who are protesting, who are not protesting, who are celebrating what happened last weekend when Hamas went on a vicious killing spree. There, that, there's, that's the only way way to look at it because the people who are saying no 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 this is just a pro-palestinian a liberating palestinian protest no those protests were not happening until hamas took out civilians so it's it's just it's horrific the level of indoctrination that we're seeing across the country and clearly some of these folks are just out there to be the contrarian because when the little gathering happened here on monument circle tony kennett and myself we walked out on the streets we were talking to people and my favorite thing that i saw was somebody with a uh, pro-palestinian sign but they also had like the pride rainbow stuff on as well and i just wanted to go up and ask them what do you think would happen if you went over there and said i'm queer i'm here and i support you Right. I mean, do you remember like way back during the the George Floyd, like all the BLM stuff where there was that it was a viral video of people up in an apartment who were screaming out at the BLM protesters in the street. Yay. You know, we're with you. We support you. And then somebody like tossed a Molotov cocktail at them. <laughs> and, and they were they were absolutely apoplectic because they were like, but wait, we're on your side. And that is what I think of every time I see the queers for Palestine flags and I mean these people are just idiots they have no idea what they're saying and we're talking on the Harvard campus right. we're talking at all these prestigious universities who should have been taught to know better and they they just haven't gays for Palestine is the equivalent <laughs> of chickens for KFC right because right. at the end of the day it's not going to go well for you once you announce your support of this group because again for those who haven't done their homework they hate the gays and here on Monument Circle it's gays for Palestine, and it's happening all over the country. Um, yeah. I'm looking at some polling here, Mock, and the polling shows that Americans are overwhelmingly in favor of Israel. It's like 71-72%. So I guess mm-hmm. my question to you as somebody who watches the media, who I, you know, is part of the media in a very broad way here, why are we focusing so much attention on the small minority who supports these people who have chopped off the heads of babies? Yeah, I'm really conflicted about this because there's the part of me that thinks daylight is the best disinfectant, right? Where you want people to see that this kind of hatred and ridiculous indoctrination exists. You want to shine a spotlight on it in the hopes that you'll have more people coming out and saying, oh, my God, this is insane. But at the same time, the media is, you know, they're they're for-profit organizations who 
harvest outrage. And so to the extent that they can amplify the craziest voices, they're going to do that because it results in clicks and views and all of that stuff. And so, you know, it's, it's this weird balancing game that we're all kind of sitting on the sidelines to observe. And, you know, the, the polling is, is comforting, I guess. The fact that most people do have sense, have common sense, and they understand that Israel is our, is a, is a huge ally and that all they want is to just exist in peace. Um, but there's also polling that shows that I think one out of every 10, 18 to 25 year olds is convinced that Hamas is great. And so, you know, I, I think it's important for people to know that. And somehow there's got to be a way to shine the appropriate spotlight on that and yet not glamorize it. And I'm sure you hear the same crap, right? Like, well, how come you are supporting Israel, but you're not for supporting Ukraine? You said it earlier. Israel is an ally. It comes down mm-hmm. to that. The United Kingdom, Israel, two of the best allies to the United States. That's a big yeah. difference compared to just giving Ukraine a blank check, because I've said from the beginning, I don't even think Ukraine really even likes us. Right. And it's different that, you know, Israel has been a longstanding ally and their only desire, their only wish in the world is just to exist. And so it's amazing to me that anyone would find fault with that, would equivocate and would say, but what about, you know, this whataboutism with the Palestinian citizens, this constant question that I'm hearing, it's absolutely ridiculous and so poorly timed because they are, they didn't want this fight. They've never wanted this fight. All they want to do is exist in peace. And so everyone who's like, but the blockades, well, yeah, they have blockades because they don't want this this stuff coming into their country. <laughs> Mock joining us from the Chicks on the Right, chicksontheright.com. Let's pivot a little bit to what's happening here. Still got some drama going on with the Speaker of the House, and it sounds like now that Jim Jordan is going to be the guy that they put up there for a vote, but it sounds like there's going to be a group of elite establishment butt sniffers who don't like <laughs> what happened to Kevin McCarthy that are going to try to sabotage. I think the only guy, Jim Jordan, that could bring this group of House Republicans together. You, you think Jim Jordan is the only guy? I do. I really do. I don't think okay. anybody else could come close to getting the 217 needed to get them over the top. And I think there's a group of establishment butt sniffers that are going to try try to sabotage that. Well, it, you know, there's a headline on the Daily Mail that was saying that there's going to be a mystery challenger. <laughs> so, and and there that it that would be promoted by exactly who you're talking about, by the so-called moderate Republicans in order to try to block Jim Jordan. But honestly, I don't think Jim Jordan has the votes because it, there's been a whole bunch of people who've made it absolutely clear that they have no interest in voting for him because Republicans can never get their crap together. Ever. Right. And so we're just, we're I mean it's just exhausting to watch this unfold and it just this is the kind of stuff that makes people you know think about third party candidates more intently because they're seeing how broken the Republican party is and they're like there there's got to be another alternative. You know that's a great point because we talk about some of the ridiculous headlines, right? We look at what's mm-hmm. happening at the border. You look at the crime in major cities. You look at the inflation. Everything sucks under Joe Biden. It really yeah. does. 
But we had a story earlier today. Joe Biden in the third quarter outraised Donald Trump, outraised wow. Nikki Haley, outraised uh, Ron DeSantis. And now you see what's happening in the House of Representatives. And it feels like the Republicans, the party as a whole, are trying so hard to grab defeat from the jaws of victory here. <laughs> Exactly. It always feels like that. But, you know, I'm a person and people get mad at me for saying this. I'm a DeSantis supporter. And to me, he is another perfect example, not just the speaker race, but he is another perfect example of us finally having an opportunity to have a candidate who literally fulfills every promise he ever makes ever. And we're like, let's go ahead and and, and pick the guy that's being indicted on a bajillion counts. Let's pick the guy that's full of drama, that criticizes is Netanyahu the, like the same week that his country's under attack. I will never understand it, but this is what Republicans do. We just constantly step on our own feet. Do you buy the argument, and we've talked about this on our program, that Ron DeSantis might be the best at governing, but for one reason or the other, he comes off cold, he comes off a little unlikable, and because the presidential election, in essence, has turned into American Idol, he can't win the election. <laughs> Well, no, I don't think he'll be nominated because that is exactly the brush that Trump and his followers have painted him with. I mean, they, they've called him like no personality. And then they've said that he's got a mean personality. Meanwhile, the guy that they're supporting is the one that's throwing out all the insults left and right. And somehow that's not mean. I, I, I'm just I will never understand that line of thinking. But it, it's just to me, it's just more evidence that this is all Republicans know how to do is lose. Mock with us. One more thing before we let you go. Suzanne Summers passed away yesterday. Mock, she was Chrissy oh, on no. Three's Company. She was also on a number of other shows, uh, Step by Step. She's the Sheriff, for those who remember that program. Oh my gosh, that's right. I loved Three's Company. I loved the characters. Jack Tripper, I think, is on the Mount Rushmore of sitcom characters. Uh, the way that that show would just make you laugh with the double entendres and you know it was coming uh talk a oh, little yeah. bit about the passing of suzanne summers well just so so sad i didn't realize that she'd been fighting breast cancer for like 23 years so man did she ever battle it hard and and she was just such a such a light you know such a um she reminds me like of carrie stacy right she's got that bubbly sunny personality right. constantly smiling you just there there's not i don't think you could find a person who didn't adore her because there was nothing to not love and um you know it's just it's just so sad it was she died a day before today is actually would have been her 77th birthday and so she died one day before turning 77 and, and like you i mean i could not have gotten enough of Three's Company, the show, there was that constant misunderstanding, <laughs> and I just loved it. It was such an iconic show. Did you ever own a Thigh Master? Do you remember the Thigh Master from Suzanne Summers? Oh, yeah. Well, Terry Stacy might still have one in the office, and I remember I got it out one day when we were when we <laughs> shared an office with her, and I was like, oh, my God, I've, I've never tried one of these, and I put it in between my knees, and it flipped up and hit me in the face, and I was like, this is not, this is not the for me. <laughs> <laughs> now I've got to go back to the office back there and start digging around like I'm Geraldo in Al Capone's vaults just to try to find the thigh master that may or may not exist. 
I'm positive that she still has it. Positive. All right. What is going on at chicksontheright.com? Well, today our live stream, which people can tune into every weekday morning at 745 on basically every social media platform got, platform got cut by Facebook midway through because apparently we're not allowed to talk about war and violence during our live stream on Facebook. So that was super exciting. And so we've gotten yet another strike from our friends at Zuckerberg land. What the hell? The Hamas leaders called for a day of jihad on social media and you can't do <laughs> right. a show? Nope, we're not allowed to talk about that because that contributes to, I guess, the incitement of war and violence. You oh, just can't make this up. Okay, fantastic. Chicksontheright.com. <laughs> Mock and Daisy. Mock, you're the best. Thank you. Thank you. That's insane. <laughs> that is so ridiculous. You're listening to the Hammer and Nigel Show. And it takes me back to a simpler place in time. Monday here on the Hammer and Nigel Show. I'm Jason Hammer. Tony Kennett, the Tonus, the new evening host here at 93 WIBC, filling in for Nige. That's right. What's the start date again? November 6th. It's coming. All right. Moonshine Monday. We still got a little bit left of the Sugar Lance Shine that was dropped off to us. So, Tonus, tell everybody what we're sipping on here. We're sipping on maple bacon moonshine. And uh, I got to ask you, man, are, are you a breakfast for lunch and dinner guy? I can be, depending on how hungry I am. Now, I'm on my diet these days, so I try to avoid a lot of that, but uh, I can do some uh, breakfast food late at night. Dude, I, breakfast food is what built my marriage. I say we take a dig drink. So here we go. Maple bacon moonshine from Sugarlands. That is not my favorite. You know? That is not my it's favorite. A, it's a little sweet. I'm going to follow that up with some coffee just to- There you uh, go. Woo! The kick comes in later. Oh, the coffee burns on the way down, too. <laughs> Lord. If you're into it, knock yourself out. Maple <laughs> bacon moonshine. <laughs> From Sugarland Shine. Moonshine Monday. And it takes me back to a simpler place in time. When we used to kick back and let the moon shine. Let the moon shine. 